You're listening to Side Hustle Pro, the podcast that teaches you to build and grow a side hustle from passion project to profitable business. And I'm your host, Nikayla Matthews. So let's get started. Hey guys, welcome back to the show. Nikayla here with another episode of Side Hustle Pro. So before we get into today's show and meet our guests, I want to address something. So people keep asking me, Nikayla, how did you use Instagram to build your brand and so quickly? For those of you who don't know, I actually broke down my techniques in a class so that you too can use my simple, and I mean simple, simple steps to make Instagram work for you. So in a series of four modules, I broke it down. I go over everything from how I determine my niche, my targeted strategy for finding my true fans, how to create compelling content that gets real engagement, not just one or two likes and not from bots. And I even walk you through setting up your first Instagram ad. Not only that, but you get one-on-one access to me to ask all of your burning questions specific to your brand and your Instagram page and my private Facebook community for Master of the Gram. So if you have questions and you're serious about using Instagram to build your brand in 2017, then head on over to sidehustlepro.co forward slash Master the Gram and register today. Now let's get into it. Today's guest is a woman I consider the queen of apps. Her name is Sheena Allen, and she is a tech entrepreneur. She started her first company in 2011 as a senior at the University of South Mississippi. At the time, she had no tech background and was a psychology and film major, and on a whim, decided to launch a mobile application company. Giving herself a year to see if she would see any success with her company, Sheena Allen Applications, she eventually found that success with app number three, Dublin. In fact, three months after launching the app for Android, Dublin received over 500,000 downloads. That year, 2013, Sheena made the decision to leave Mississippi and move to a tech hub to find mentors and increase her knowledge in the tech space. Since then, she has gone on to experience frustration with raising money and moved back to Mississippi. There, she grew concerned with the predatory lending practices that she saw in her community and decided to fight back through the launch of a second startup, Capway. Capway is a financial company that focuses on the unbanked and underbanked. The service offers financial literacy content and onboards unbanked users to get a bank account. She's been featured in various publications, including Forbes.com, BlackEnterprise.com, and Ebony Magazine. In late 2016, Sheena made her premiere in She Started It, a documentary film that follows five women around their startup journey. Please join me in welcoming Sheena. I am so excited to have her on the show today. Hey, Sheena, welcome to the guest chair. Thank you for having me. Of course. So guys, a little background. I met Sheena at a conference called Tech 808 back in 2015. And at that moment, I just remember thinking, wow, this girl is a rock star. So after founding Side Hustle Pro, she was definitely on my list of people I had to get in the guest chair. So <laughs> tell us a little bit about yourself, Sheena. Who is Sheena? Um, I'm, I'm from Mississippi, from Terry, Mississippi, very small town. Um, went to University of Southern Miss, uh, like you said, double major in psychology and film, definitely never thought about technology. And I just, I fell into this industry pretty much by accident. I had like a random idea. Um, but oh my God, I, I, I knew the minute that it happened, like I really found what I loved. Um, and unfortunately, you know, Mississippi is just not that place uh, for technology. So, um, eventually packed my clothes. I actually spent some time in Silicon Valley, eventually made my way back to Austin. Um, first Star is actually still up and up and moving, um, still generating great, great numbers um, in traction. And now it's my second startup, which is FinTech. So um actually moving that company to New York, but we will have a satellite office um, in Mississippi because Mississippi actually is the number one state um, for unbanked and underbanked residents, unfortunately, but... Um, it allows me to have a satellite office here because it allows me to get people who understand the culture to help build a company while also being able to be in New York where a 
a lot of resources are. So both companies are up and moving um, and just, you know, continuously pushing it forward. Interesting. So I know you said from Mississippi, didn't expect to be here, but can you think of any experience, you know, in your upbringing that influenced your entrepreneurial drive? Uh, I won't say there was like just one thing, but I was always a little different, <laughs> as my mom said. <laughs> um, like I was always like like weird and dope things. Like I don't know why. Like I I originally want to be an artist. Um, and many people don't know that, but I I really want to be an artist. I love to draw and paint. Uh, and I remember my dad going to college. My dad told me he's like, so you're gonna be a bartender. <laughs> and I was like, what? He's like. It's like, you know, you don't make any money from being an artist. You're going to be a bartender. So I was like, oh, let me find something else to do. Um, but I, my parents were very, very open. Uh, not some of my friends' parents, I'm sure some of us uh, who are listening, they'll know people who parents like really forced them kind of down a pathway. And my parents were totally opposite. They were like, listen, figure it out, like whatever you want to do. So I just did like just random wild things growing up. And I think just that experience and having that openness from my parents helped. Okay. so. What made you decide to get into apps? And, and when did you know you had an idea worth betting on? So it was my senior year of college. Um, I had actually rented my apartment out that summer. And um, of course, when you went to school, we, my roommate and I went to Walmart. We just like kind of getting stuff together for the apartment. And this was 2011. So the app store was still pretty young. Uh, there was maybe 200, 300,000 apps in the app store compared to now where it's like 2 million. Uh, so it was very young and I couldn't find an app that I wanted. I wanted an app that I could keep up with my money and my receipts and there wasn't one available. So I was like, no, what? forget it. I'm going to create it. Um, and mind you, I told my roommate that and she thought I was crazy. <laughs> <laughs> but um, that was the first app I ever created and I fell off the process of it. So even though that first app was not successful, I, before I graduated, I actually created my second app, which was Words on Picks. And I think within those six months, I did about 5,000 downloads. And to me, that was, I was like, oh my gosh, I made it. But uh, I, I knew I had to really, really do something more than just 5,000 downloads in six months. And I, my friend Makia showed me a picture that she had. And the picture she actually had done in Photoshop. And it was her playing basketball against herself. And oh my gosh, I thought that was like the coolest thing I had ever seen in my life. And I was like, I'm going to make an app like that. And she's like, what? I was like, I'm going to make an app. And I honestly, from the minute she showed me that picture and I knew I was going to make an app, I knew that was going to be the app that was going to change everything because I had never seen anything like that. Wow. So I love that you mentioned the process and the fact that it's not so much about being a success coming out the gate, but that how that process set you up for success. So break that down for us. What were some of the first steps you took to start out, especially as a non-technical creator? Uh, well, I, for one, had no clue what the heck I was doing. Let me be honest and say that. Um, so I was like, you know what? So I want this app. Well, first, I need to know what it's going to look like. So I actually took some printer paper and kind of sketched it out. And then once I sketched out on the printer paper, I actually went to Microsoft Word and I used like little text boxes. And I just put like a you know, little triangle. I mean, the little rectangle, kind of like your um phone would be. And I designed out of Microsoft Word. And I remember just writing down everything that will be on that one screen and then how it will go to the next screen that I would like, you know, kind of write out of Microsoft Word. And I didn't know there was a flow chart. Of course, it wasn't a proper way to do a flow chart. But um, I, I don't know. I, I got a chance to see really every step of it. And even now when I talk to people and I help people and I mentor people, I tell them all the time, you have to really go through that process because for one, it makes you appreciate the outcome, but it's, it's I don't know, it's just something about going through that process that makes it all worthwhile. So after you drew that out and um, yeah, that's an important note because some people think, oh, I'm just going to find a developer. I'm going to describe what I yeah. want. Like <laughs> you, you might think that describing it will help them, but they need to actually see from uh, screen to screen, frame to frame, yeah. what the process of that app is. And that, every... that happens with us because we're like, because in our mind, we know what it should look like. Okay. And we feel like if we just give somebody else a picture, they're going to know. Mm -hmm. And like, they're clueless. Exactly. So then how'd you find your developer and everything? I just took a chance with Google. Mm -hmm. And I, I Googled and I was like, I 
fine app developer. <laughs> and the first website that popped up was guru.com. And um, you know, I was very lucky because now in hindsight, I actually know that most people have really, really bad experiences with freelancers. But I, I guess I just got really lucky. It was meant for me because I found somebody who was actually wonderful. Um, I gave him all the information that I had. Of course, we signed an NDA first. Mm-hmm. Um, and I gave him my information. He gave me a, a quote. I mean, I was in college. I was broke. And I got a loan from my dad. Um, and he was $3,500. And he was like, you know, just pay my money back. He's like, that's what you want to do? You want to take the money and spend it on something like that? Something crazy like that? <laughs> Um, do it. And I did. And I paid the money back. And once like once again, the first ad wasn't a, a major success, but yeah. it was definitely the f- first baby step um, into where I'm headed now. Okay. And we'll move on from the technical in a second, but I just want to make sure people who are listening and want to do an app know at least the kind of rough idea of the steps. So after the developer, like, did you just set up an app account on iOS and then on Android and um, submit it once the developer sent you the files? Well, so for me, what I did was one, make sure if you're going to do a freelance um, developer, you always do it in milestones. I never pay all the money up front. Mm-hmm. And I knew that from the very beginning because what could, what could happen is one, their work could be horrible. Uh, for two, you could never hear from them again. If they're in India, I mean, what are you going to do about it? Right. You on a plan to go to India and find them, <laughs> um, which you're not. Um, so definitely paying milestones. Um, give them all the information that they need. And then once they actually finish developing it, make sure you test it yourself. Um, unfortunately, I see people all the time who kind of just put everything in a developer's hand. Mm-hmm. And then they put in the app store and they get these really bad reviews. And they're like, well, he said it was it was wonderful, but like, the actual person never took the time to test it out. They kind of tried to cut corners. So he sent the, um, actually the, the whole, um, used to be IPA back then. Now you do it through test flight and I tested it out and we put in the app store, which you have to create an account. So with Apple, you pay every year, it's $99 per year with Android. There's a one-time fee of $25. And I put in there, I did my screen, my screenshots and I wrote my description out and my keywords and, it was an app store. We went through a review process. No, Apple was very strict. Um, mm-hmm. So they did their review process. And once it was approved, it was like, oh, here we go. <laughs> nice. So now you're a developer. The first two aren't, you know, hits. But that third one, what was the difference with that third one? Uh, I think it was it was just very different. Uh, I mean, me personally, I had, I had not seen anything in the app store like it. Um, and once I saw that, and I, I would even ask people, I was like, you know, would you use this? Or what do you think about this? And everybody I showed that picture to, they was like, man, it's like the coolest thing ever. But you still would have to, you would have had to use some type of software to get it done. You just couldn't pull out your phone and do it. And explain and, to explain to us, like, what exactly was it again? So it's like you were able to split a picture up? Right. Or, yeah. So, of course, like now there's like probably 10 different ones. Um, but... It allowed you to clone yourself. So you open up the app and your screen was split in two. So you would take a picture on one side and it would freeze. And so you kind of like step over to the other side and you would take another picture. And you took both of them and you merged them. So it would look like it was just two of you and one photo. Mm-hmm. And like I said before that, it took software on like a desktop to do that. Um, and I, it was so big, I think, because I brought something that people – I had to kind of sit down and do and really like go through all this editing. And I made it very easy actually on a phone. So how did you handle marketing? I remember you mentioned that some influencers caught onto the app. Were you doing app store marketing or, um, you know, tagging people on Instagram or anything like that? Yeah, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> this is people ask me, I was like, well, how much money do you spend on marketing? A total zero. <laughs> um, I didn't, I didn't have money for marketing, to be 100% honest. You know, I was, I was trying, at that moment, I was trying to keep my head above water. I just paid my daddy back his $3,500. You know, I didn't have a job. I had graduated. I didn't have, you know, I wasn't in grad school. I wasn't getting like a refund check. I I mean, so I was, I didn't have money to market, but um, I definitely take pictures all the time. I would post them on social media. Um, And the first person I saw use it was actually Soldier Boy. And what was crazy was in the comments, people like everybody was asking, like, what app is it? What app is it? And I remember like texting all of my friends. I'm like, hey, 
from a social boys Instagram page and just respond Dublin, 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 Dublin. And like that was my that was my version of like marketing. Wow. Like, I have to market. So social media, I use my, you know, my friends. I always help helped out, get the word out. Um, and that was pretty much how I marketed. Nice. So what? Now you were doing apps. Did you ever side hustle, like juggle a nine to five while you were building out what this entrepreneurship life would be like? Never. I uh, only job I've ever had outside of this has actually been, um, I used to work at McAllister's in high school, <laughs> <laughs> but but that was it. But I, I mean, I did try like other side hustles as far as being an entrepreneur, um, but I never had like a nine to five. Oh, interesting. So were you always, what's your approach to paid versus free app? Were you always doing paid or um, were you doing free with ads? Well, I was doing, I did free with ads and then I had like, you can upgrade to get like, all the full features um, for the paid version. But uh, I'll, I'll say my early years, I didn't do a good job of splitting those two. Mm-hmm. So uh, most people never bought the paid version at first until I kind of learned, learned the process, process and learned the game. But um, I definitely started out with free because in all honesty, I never set out in the very beginning to make money. I honestly set out in the beginning to build a a large followers, like a lot of followers, a large user base. That was actually my number one goal. Uh, and then once I started getting the millions of downloads, that's when I said, okay, we're going to kind of redo this thing and start to monetize. Mm-hmm. And then how and when did you start to reap profit and rewards from your business? Uh, how long were you in business before reaching this stage so i launched my first app in the summer uh well actually it was like august of 2011 i didn't start to see any real money until dublin with android so that would have been about summer 2013 it's about two years okay and so then you were able to like sustain yourself and and just keep it moving what did you do in between those times were you still in school no so for a year um i mean i made enough say pay my bills but it wasn't enough to really put back into the company mm. um and then I, didn't, I mean at the same time i didn't have many bills because i mean i was staying at home with my mom i was fresh out of college um, i'm very frugal it's actually really sad my <laughs> by me all the time it's really sad i'm so frugal so i didn't really have many bills so i made enough um from the apps to pay the few bills that i had it just that i didn't have enough where i could like go out and buy an apartment and live a nice lifestyle okay but that's a common theme from really smart and really successful entrepreneurs that you got to be frugal like you can't go out and be flossing and celebrating like all right now i can upgrade to the penthouse (laughs) oh my god and i have to explain that especially like i'm speaking to like younger kids like especially like high school and even college i'm like that is not how the world works. Like, <laughs> we are not all running around in Bentleys. Like, right. I promise you we're not. Like, we are hustling every single day. Like, it's not one of those. We put an app out. It was really successful. And now we got $10 million. Like, that's not how this works. Mm-hmm. And speaking of hustling now, let's transition into your decision to create Capway. Now, was this after... Now, I know you moved to Austin and you were you also spent some time in Silicon Valley when you were there were you already pitching um, Capway. Was this when you ran into frustration with raising funds or was this a different just for your mobile application company? It was totally different. So I I was pitching and still really, really focused on Chanel on apps when I was Silicon Valley and my entire time in Austin. And I was actually trying to raise money for Shannon Allen apps. And at this time, like I had over a million downloads at the time and traction was still really good. Like I had my whole pitch deck, like the upgrades with existing apps and here are the new apps. And I just couldn't, I mean, I couldn't raise money and it was so frustrating. Um, and my money, even though I was making money now from Shannon Allen apps, you know, I was starting to run thin on money. So I made the decision to um, attempt to come back home and raise money. Because I knew Mississippi didn't have necessarily have the infrastructure to for a startup or a tech company, but I was like, no, well, you know, I might as well just shoot my shot. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm gonna go back home and see if I can potentially raise money um, back home for this company that started in Mississippi and hire kids and you know, let kids intern from the local colleges because there's nothing like it in the state. So that was actually my original idea behind even coming back to Mississippi. And I, I came back here in October of 2015, 
And uh, while being here and trying to raise, which was not working out, um, I got a chance to kind of go back to what I had left years before, which was people who were actually still cashing checks at Kroger and at the local convenience store. And the fact that it was a payday lender um, on almost every corner. And coming back to that, you know, it kind of opened my eyes up because being in Silicon Valley and in Austin, and of course I'm traveling, you know, to DC and New York and all the time. I, I had kind of gotten away from that world. And um, I made the, I said, you know, I would really want to research this because I knew that world growing up. You know, my grandmother never had a bank account. My babysitter never had a bank account. I remember going up, you could never sit in her chair because she kept her money in her recliner. <laughs> um, and you bet not sit in that chair. Like you knew it. Like you don't touch that chair. Um, you know, my great grandmother never had a bank account. So I grew up around that. I just never really knew how serious it was until I got older and, and I came back to Mississippi and I understood business from a different, you know, a different perspective. And I, I just continuously did research and I realized like, you know, it wasn't a Mississippi problem. You know, there's 60 to 80 million Americans who do not use traditional banking. There's over 2.5 billion people in this world who do not use traditional banking. Um, and so I, I really dove deep into it and I end up finding a love for something because with Shinda Allen Alps, a lot of those apps are fun. They're like photo, video, social entertainment. And I do love it. I still love it. But with Capway, I look at the fact like I really have an opportunity to change the lives of millions and millions of people on a, on a scale and from a perspective that most people in this world don't understand. Mm. And it's funny you mentioned that because I read, you know, you were quoted as saying in another article that, if you're not pursuing tech because you're passionate about it and so that you can be innovative and truly make a change and be disruptive, choose another profession. Talk to us about that feeling that you have. I mean, I think some people want to get into it now because it's almost like it's, this is like the gold rush. Mm-hmm. It's like everybody sees tech like, oh, my gosh. I, and it's it's sexy. Like, yeah, it's sexy. Like, I want to be a geek now and I want to have the backpack and I want to have the startup. <laughs> It's like, like, that's not why we do this. Like, you know, you came home and you're doing this podcast because you are truly passionate about it. Like, you want to talk to women who have side hustles and who are trying to do something special. Like, I did Shina Allen Alice because I had this idea and I fell in love with it. I'll do Capway because I want to change millions of lives. And, you know, I'll just use some of the people I had. Like, you know, Jewel did Park Pick because she saw an issue and she was trying to solve something. She had a passion for it. And, you know, Justin and Brian did Bay because, you know, there wasn't necessarily a place for black singles to go and find other. Like It was everybody had a reason, a passion behind it. I know. And so when I see people who come into it because they think they're going to make a million bucks in a month. I'm just like, this is not for you. Like, yes. you're not helping us because there's not a lot of blacks in tech already. So don't come in and make it worse <laughs> than it already has to be. Like, truly find a passion for it because tech allows you to truly change lives. And if you're going to use it for that purpose, I'm all for it. If you're going to use it just because you feel like it's a quick way to make money, like, I'm, I'm not feeling that. Exactly. And we're going to get into some, you know, the sacrifices and challenges of being um, black in tech. But before that, I want to learn more about Capway. Like, what is what exactly is the platform so that people, is it available now for people to use? Is it still in development? It's still in development. Um, our website is up capway.co. If you kind of want to go and just we did some, have some videos up. Um, but the, the company itself, we have one service and two products. And our main service is actually financial literacy. And so we have a feed and we have programs that people will be able to go to and they'll be able to, really choose what they want to focus on, whether it's learning more about like bank accounts or investments um, and really take these classes or these, do these programs and learn. But the service actually backs up our products, which is a prepaid debit card and an actual bank issued um, debit card. And when we first started this, we did not want to do a prepaid debit card at all, to be quite honest, because we kind of felt in a way prepaid debit cards can be predatory. Mm-hmm. And we were trying to get away from anything predatory, which is like the check cash in places and the payday lenders. And so for us, we did not want prepaid debit cards. But in doing our research, we realized that we had to meet that market where they understood. 
what they understood was going to Dollar General and going to Family Dollar and going to Walmart and picking up a prepaid debit card. Like that's what they understood. So we knew that we had to meet them there. And by getting them even to you know pick up one of our prepaid debit cards, what makes us different is we don't want you to forever reload that prepaid debit card, which is what the rest of them do. What we do is we get you on our platform, but we educate you and we give you the option and we see if it's best for you to actually convert over to a bank issued card. Mm. And so that that was really big for us, because right now when we talk to people prepaid debit cards, like they're forever just reloading that prepaid debit card. But you're not building credit um, because you can't build credit prepaid debit cards. Sometimes the fees are just as bad. Oh, yeah. um, so, you know, it, for us, it was like, yes, we'll offer it. That's not what we're about. We're not about just trying to make you pay nine dollars to access your own money through this prepaid debit card. Like, no, we want to help you build credit. We want to help you understand your money better. So that's that's what Capway is all about. Thank you. Thank you for building that because I'm so tired, especially these celebrities. Come on, Russell Simmons. Why uh, are you preying on the black community? Are you serious? That's crazy. We just had a talk about that. Just <laughs> and I and I said I, I would love to one day just sit down with them because while, you know, his reason that he said he started Rush Card was because he saw the long lines of people, you know, at trying to do, get loans from payday lenders. But, you know, my question to him was, did you see that line and then you realized that this is a $340 billion industry? Or did you see that line and truly was able to understand the people versus just understand the problem and the money you can make from the problem? Those are two totally different things. Yep. Yep. And especially once we get onto the side where we are creating things, we have to be so vigilant about when we see these opportunities, not creating things with only a lens of like money. Like there are a lot of market opportunities. That doesn't mean you take them if it's not morally. But anyway, I could go on and on. So <laughs> let, let's, let's transition back. I wanted to touch on the challenges of being a black female in tech. Now, for other founders who are going through this or about to face this pitch process and these the, the challenges, can you share any tips that you learned from your experience? <laughs> you got to go in like, oh, my gosh, every T has to be crossed. Every I has to be dotted. Like It has to be perfect. And I know that sounds like just complete BS, but it has to be perfect because. What people have to understand is sometimes it, it is an unconscious bias. Um, and some people say that's BS, but how I look at it from my experience, and I've been doing this now for five years, is we wonder why the white guy from Stanford who has this mediocre idea, you know, he gets the, the seed fund for half a million for no, with no problem, you know, or the angel round of half a million with no problem off of this mediocre idea. Yeah, you have these black founders who have traction. And they have wonderful ideas and they can't raise. But if I walk into the, the average person office that I want to walk into to pitch to, he's going to be an older white guy. And so when I walk in and I'm this black female and I'm from Mississippi and I'm trying to pitch to them this idea, they're looking at me like, OK, versus if that white guy from Stanford who's 25 walks into his office, he looks at him and he says, he reminds me of myself. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't remind him of himself. <laughs> I'm not a male. I'm not white. I didn't go to Stanford. I'm black. and I'm a female. And it, it, another thing is sometimes our ideas are very, very disruptive and they're very innovative. And it's great for us. And it's great for our culture. But a lot of times those investors don't understand that. They don't understand their world. So that makes it even harder because I walk into a, an investor's office. And I'm talking to him about the fact that I'm trying to help people who still have money in their homes. And, you know, those investors, some of them, they come from generational wealth. So to them, that's like nobody actually hides money in their homes in 2017. Mm-hmm. And, in th- and in their world, nobody does hide money in their homes in 2017 unless it's in a safe and it's millions of dollars. But no, we're talking about the people who don't have a choice because where they're from, there is no bank. Mm-hmm. Banks are redlining their whole community. Or they don't know about a bank account or they're intimidated or the older generation where, you know, due to slavery, they don't trust. I mean, there's so many reasons, but it's kind of hard when they don't understand their world. Mm-hmm. You know, they're so disconnected from it. So it's, it's so many different issues. I, I mean, I can go on for days on the, on the problems you're going to run into. But 
I will not say that it's, it's impossible. I mean, I think we have 15 black females now who's raised over a million. Um, Jessica, I can't think of her last name. She just Matthews. raised Jessica Matthews just raised over seven million. Um, Jewel Burke, I know, has done wonderful. Um, I think Morgan for Blabby raised over a million. Stephanie Lampkins raised over a million. So there's there's black women in tech who's raising money. It's just that the fact that we can count how many <laughs> is a, a problem, part. right? I heard this quote the other day. Tell me what you think about it. It says, don't look for investors, look for customers. I agree all day. Why is that? Numbers don't lie. And while the argument is and people complain and we have, we're having a conversation right now about being black in tech and not being able to raise money. One thing that no investor is going to turn down is green. They, they care about one color at the end of the day. And if you can find customers, customers bring money. And once you have money and once you have customers, the investors will find you. That is some great advice. And I think especially coming from like the same crowd of people who think tech is just sexy and I want a backpack and X and I want to, <laughs> you know, get my T-shirt and go hang in the bay. I think that that's this same mindset that the only way to be an entrepreneur is to like do something to raise money. Like, yes, you can directly go out there and touch the customer yourself. And then I like that you say that the money, the investors will find you. <laughs> and um, so that's another alternative perspective I want to put out there. So before we get into some of the future thinking as far as sustaining a profitable business, I think of you as like one of the hardest working women out there. Like I, I see you on Instagram. I see the moves. I see the articles. Like, how are you doing this? And what are the sacrifices that it takes to to be Sheena Allen? I don't have a life. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I do have a life, but it's definitely a lot of sacrifices. But um, I think one thing that I've had to learn was and it's actually, I think it's a quote from Oprah. I, I want to give Oprah credit, but I might be wrong. But she said that you can have it all, just not all at once. And, you know, growing up, I wanted seven kids. Wow. Um, <laughs> I know, I'm crazy. I did, though. I want, oh, my God, I wanted a huge family. I wanted seven kids. So in my mind, by 25, I was going to be, like, married with kids. And when I fell into the, the love of this at 22, 23, um, I knew sacrifices was going to be had to be made, but for me, it's I do this for me, but I also do it for others. Um, and only only person that can outwork you is you. Like you, you're your competition. Like you're the only person that can stop you. I don't worry about anybody else's grass. Like I water my own, and I look at myself in the mirror. Like I'm my biggest critic. Like you can't be like Shannon. That app sucks. Because if it sucks, I promise you, I already know it sucks. Like you don't have to tell me. Like, I'm my biggest critic, but I wanted to do something that was just so different. Um, and, I was, and I always kind of referenced it. I had a conversation with Wayne Sutton in 2014, December 2014. And I remember asking him, I said, you know, Wayne, you've been doing this a long time. Wayne is really, really big in, like, tech inclusion. And I said, you've been doing this for a long time. And there are so many black women who has come before the group of black women now that are very well known. Um, in tech, I said, none of them have ever been a household name. I said, you look at Kimberly Bryant, um, who now has a name due to Black Girls Code, but Kimberly Bryant was doing tech way before then. Um, even though now we know about, you know, like hidden figures, um, and even though they wasn't tech, which, you know, those Black women doing amazing things, but no, no one had really become a household name, um, unless you, of course, you've been music and, or pop culture. And he said, well, Shana, there's two options that you have. He said, you can take the route of everybody else, which is usually intern for a major company and then go on to start your own startup. Or you can become a superstar. and You can do it totally different. And the way that I took that was not become a superstar saying, like, I want paparazzi following me around because I don't. I like being able to go to Starbucks and nobody's following me. But I took that as saying, like, Shannon, you truly have to look at this different, do it different, think different. And from that moment, it's exactly what I did. So even now, you know, I'm actually finishing up writing a book now. I just finished the ebook. Now I'm writing a book. Um, I'm doing Capway, which we started in the Southeast, and eventually we'll go, um, you know, national, and then eventually we'll go global. 
Um, I'm, I'm more than likely I'll step down as CEO, Chanel and Alps, but want to appoint somebody else and I'll still be creative director. Um, I think we try, some people say you can't do too much focus on one thing. And I agree. Like I, I definitely, I, I'm big on myself about focus, 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 but I don't believe in putting all your eggs in one basket at the same time. Mm. So I, I think hustling smart, you hustle smart, hustle hard to me is really important. Um, and not putting all your eggs in one basket. So if it, if it means, you know, that I don't have a life for a year, um, that's a sacrifice I'm willing to make. Cause for me, I, I love it so much and I, I know where I'm headed. And I, you know, some people give up after a year, but you know, sometimes it takes five to 10 years to have overnight success. And I'm, and I'm okay with that. I love that. And yeah, I'm definitely inspired by your grind. Like every day I tell my, I know I could be working harder. So and speaking of sacrifice too, like, I love the fact that you are committed to sharing your knowledge. Like you've written an ebook. Now you say you're doing a whole book and you, you know, also created like a consulting platform, right? So talk to us about that. Like what, given how busy you are, inspires you to create these outlets and what's the vision moving forward? Um, so I started, the company's called Housebox and I started actually because people would always email me and say, I had this idea for an app. Can you help me? And the truth is, I that was actually the exact same purpose behind the ebook. I really don't have that time to sit and talk to everyone who has an idea. I wish I could, but I just don't. The reality of it is I'm trying to I'm running two companies. I just don't. Um, so I wrote the ebook about how to focus on um, starting an app with no app experience or no technical background. And I, I just sat down for like a week. I just wrote down everything that I knew and I sold it for $5. And the reason I sold it for $5 is because everybody who asked to pick my brain, they're always like, oh, I know you love Starbucks. Let me take you to Starbucks and pick your brain. Well, <laughs> I, love, I love caramel frappuccinos. It's going to cost you five bucks. So the same five bucks you were going to you know, spend on my caramel frappuccino, <laughs> my ebook. Um, and, you know, I, I do follow up questions, of course, um, Q&As, but and then the house box came about because once again, people asked me to help them develop their app. And I, I didn't have that time either. So I put together a consulting company and I, I brought on people that I knew in tech. I said, hey, we're going to help people who have an idea. They probably don't have a lot of money, but they either need something very simple or they need an MVP. And where that has actually gone now is this year we're looking to partner with schools. And so you, you think about people in rural communities or small cities who cannot afford to live in, you know, New York or Silicon Valley or L.A. or Austin. Um, but they they want to be in tech. And they can develop. And you think about the kids that come out of college who want that experience. And to me, it was like I'm giving those people in small cities and rural areas and those students in college the ability to get make money and also get the experience while also giving the other side of, of this person who wants an app developed, doesn't have a lot of money, probably just wants a basic MVP. In the end, everybody wins. So now what moving forward will be like the management for that? Because I know you you said you talked about switching out from the head of Sheena Allen apps to creative director. How will you manage these platforms? The uh, house box too. Um, Housebox is actually, I've already stepped down. Um, I have my partner, Fred Burns, actually runs Housebox now. Uh, but of course, I still check in. Um, people who come to me, I still actually will come, you know, talk to them and then pass them on down to Fred. And, the, and that team is actually continually, continually to uh, build that company right now. But um, I, you know, I can't do it all. I don't try to do it all. But if I can put the right people in place, so that everybody wins in the end, I'm okay with that. I, I don't need to make, I don't need to own 100% of everything. I don't need to make 100% of everything. Like, that doesn't do anything for me. Um, and a lot of times trying to do all that, I'm going to end up with 100% of zero. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I don't, that, that, that doesn't mean anything to me. If I can take 10%, 20%, 40%, 50%, and then pass it on to somebody else who can truly run that company, and I can help continue to build that company and I, I trust them to build the team and to run the company and everybody once again in the end wins. I'm totally okay with that. Got it. And speaking of 
percentages. Let's talk about sustaining a profitable business. So how, first of all, do you continue to financially sustain yourself given the unpredictable nature of entrepreneurship? Like are your apps or, you know, the most successful apps continuing to generate that, that weekly, monthly revenue? Yeah. So Chanel apps actually still makes, makes money. Um, now, so we definitely keep the business going with the money that we make. Um, and then I make money from that company. And with X with Capway right now, we have raised, um, a pre-seed round. So we've got investments for that. We're, uh, going through our beta. Our app launches in about three weeks and we'll do our beta for roughly two or three months, depending on numbers. And then we'll go into our seed round. And of course, you know, from there, um, I'll draw a salary based off of our seed round. So, I found ways to definitely sustain uh, speaking engagements. You know, I definitely make money from speaking engagements. The book that I have out now, you know, I make money from from the book. So I definitely have more than one hustle. <laughs> okay. And congrats on raising that pre-seed round. Um, what does your team look like these days? Are you, you're not a team of one. Uh, what, what, how many people are you working with now? So with Sheena Allen apps, I just brought on two people. Um, two of them will probably just still be team members. I'm actually still interviewing and going through the process of finding the next CEO for that company. With Capway, there's currently three of us. There's we have a developer and then my co-founder Tim, um, who's actually from the Delta of Mississippi. And once again, Housebox uh, is actually run by Fred now. Uh, Fred Burns, he runs Housebox now. And then everything else, for like my personal brand, I just do it myself. People always ask like, no. Who's your PR people? Who's your manager? And I'm like, Shayna. <laughs> I just do it myself. That would be Miss Allen. <laughs> um, and how are you finding these dedicated, hardworking team members? Um, I came across Tim, which is my co-founder for Capway. I knew Tim about, I met him about three years ago. He actually used to do PR for a celebrity. I won't name the name. But I met him because he was, doing consulting um, for then doing PR for this one particular person. And I remember at this time we had kind of we had made a little money with Chanel and Alps. And I was actually thinking about for the very first time having um, a celebrity to actually endorse one of my apps. And I actually ended up speaking to him um, about trying to get her on board. And she actually turned, turned the offer down. But he and I stayed in touch because I found out that he was from Mississippi. And I was from Mississippi. So we just kind of stayed in touch. And um, side note, after the app blew up, they actually tried to come back. But I was like, oh, <laughs> oh, we're good now. But um, <laughs> so he actually ended up leaving that job anyway and going back to the Delta, um, Clarksdale, Mississippi, and working at a bank. And his job at that bank was actually um, rural communities. He worked strictly with those unbanked, underbanked um, individuals. So when I kind of followed up with him and he saw what I was doing and I knew all the experience that he had for three years. I'm um, at this point um, between the jobs of uh, working at the banks and in those rural areas, it was a perfect match. And then my developer, I actually met him in New Jersey. Um, well, Anthony Fraser, of course we met at Tech 808. Oh, cool. <laughs> so I was visiting Anthony in, in Jersey at uh, the Newark Venture Partners, their new building. And the, this developer was there, and Anthony was like, oh, man, this guy, he's young. I think he's, like, made time. I think he's 23. I think he's 24 now. And he's like, oh, he's young. Like, you know, he's one of the best developers I've ever seen. And I can sell water to a fish, let me tell you. <laughs> so I was like, listen, at this company, we need you. This is how it's going to work. Like, come work with me. And I say with me. I never say for me. I hate that. Mm-hmm. I, don't work any, I don't want anyone to work for me. That's smart. Uh, like, come work with me. This is what we're going to do. And being from Jersey, which actually does have a high population of unbanked and underbanked. Also, he understood that market, which was even more special to me. So that's how that came about. Um, Fred is also from Mississippi, uh, but Fred actually lives in Dallas and he's a developer. He's been developing for a while and I brought him on board for Housebox and with the Shina Allen apps, um, pretty much because we're going to split the company eventually between LA and Mississippi, uh, had a lot of LA connection and they saw exactly where we were going with the company, which is outside of what you see now, what you see now is mainly like these photo apps, but that's 
nowhere near like where we're taking the company. Um, and they saw that. So they definitely came on board. So that's awesome. And what can you do if you can't afford a team right now? Do it by yourself. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I worked by myself for three years. Okay. I didn't know that. So you are just expanding now. So what's truly next for Sheena and apps and Capway now that you have this team mostly in place? Um, what's the, you know, the next level? Um, for Capway, we'll launch our beta. Like I said, we're about three weeks out and we will do a college tour and a community tour for the next two or three months. And this is us actually going into the schools and going to the communities and talking to them about literacy and actually getting them to use our app with us around, tell us what they like, what they don't like. If they have a prepaid debit card, if they don't have a bank account, how can we help? Like what would make them use our service based off what we already plan on doing? How can we improve that? Um, really important for us during, during this beta phase. So that's next for Capway with Sheena Ellen apps. Um, inside, we actually changed the name. It would not be called Sheena Ellen apps anymore in a few months. Um, just because I'm, for one, me stepping down as actual CEO, I, I never want people to feel like they're working for this Sheena Allen company. Um, I want them to feel like it's their company too. So I felt it was best to actually change the name. And so we are, the name is actually already picked out. Um, just haven't legally changed it, but that company will definitely move into outside of just photo apps. It would definitely move into more of an entertainment social space. Um, with the app utilities that we already have. And that's for, for me, continue to speak, do workshops when I have time, um, and just try to keep the door open to, you know, help the next one come through it. Got it. And that's so smart about changing the name. And I love how you approach bringing on team members and really making them feel like they have a stake in this. This is not just like, cause you know, everyone, you start, when you feel like you're just working for this, this other person, that's when you start to really feel like, man, I just want my own thing, but this yeah. is us in it together. Definitely. Now, we are about to get into the lightning round. Um, <laughs> you know the deal. You answer the first thing that comes to mind. Are you ready? I think so. <laughs> I know. I just hyped it all the way up. Now. <laughs> it's not even that lightning, not even that fast, but we just call it that for now. <laughs> um, so number one, what's a resource that has helped you in your business that you can share with the Side Hustle Pro audience? Oh, gosh resources it's google google a lot of people say that <laughs> google is like listen google can be your best friend sometimes there's so much and the listen y'all get up on the extensions the extensions are life google ex- like <laughs> gmail come on come on oh. google yeah i'm not gonna that one all right so who inspires you and why Every young person with a dream. Why? Because there's magic in being young and there's magic in having a dream. Um, I tell people all the time, like, I'm a kid at heart. And I say that and I admire and and inspire by the youth because the youth, they don't overthink anything. Mm -hmm. It's like, do you like this? No, that's ugly. Like, it doesn't (laughs) hurt your feelings. It's just that. There's no filter. Like, they're honest. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I'm going to color outside the lines, and I'm not worried about, you know, people thinking it's ugly because I colored outside the lines. Like, I want to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to try it. Um, So, the youth. Got it. Number three, what is a daily practice you use to start your day on the right note and increase your productivity throughout the day? Meditation. Do you use a certain app or... No, I usually, um, unless I'm out of town, I usually actually go to the local gym and I'll go to the sauna and I sit there for 30 minutes and I just clear my, I, I pray and I go in and I just clear my head for like 30 minutes. Ah, that sounds so divine. <laughs> Number four, <laughs> what's a personal habit that has helped you significantly in your business? Being nonchalant. <laughs> ah, it's, it's, I, a, it's a gift and a curse of that. Yeah. <laughs> but. I so envy nonchalant people. Does that mean that you also don't think, don't take things personally? Because I, I envy people who don't do that. I'm working on that. It's just, you know, 
I sometimes people say things. I'm just like, okay, um, okay. And I have a big brother who like tortured me growing up. So a lot of times <laughs> I'm just like, okay, like sure, like don't get me wrong. When it comes to business, I get feedback. I you know I care about what customers say. I care about always improving my product. But when it comes to, like the nonsense and all like the extra noise, like mm-hmm. I'm so nonchalant. Like I'm just like I don't care. <laughs> So number five, what's your parting advice for fellow women entrepreneurs who want to be their own boss but are worried about losing that steady paycheck? You can, don't get me wrong, there's a fine line, very fine line between the day that you quit your nine to five and you dedicate yourself full time to your job. And part of that fine line is called common sense. But there is also this part that you can forever sustain yourself and when I say sustain yourself, you can fairly pull a salary um, and know what you're getting for your nine to five. Or you can one day actually try to grow and you're never going to grow. You can get a raise, which you're never going to truly grow by continuing sustaining yourself and working for someone else. Mm, that's so deep. I mean, I just in a group today saw someone ask this question, like, I just want to quit and pursue my own thing. And um, I've I've been there. Age 24, quit my job, was just like over it. No backup plan. But um, it's real out here. The the bills need to get paid. Yes. The dreams don't pay bills. And I tell kids that. Now, I, I tell I don't want to crush your dreams. Mm-hmm. But dreams do not pay bills. Oh, yeah. And you, you have strategy. <laughs> yep. And you know what else, too? Time management and discipline takes a while to get the hang of. So I find that the more free time I have... The less I get done. <laughs> so until I master this, I don't think it's 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 time for me to be out there just free floating in the world like that. Um, it's a real thing. Like when you have your days to yourself, sometimes they just you don't know what happened. It's five o'clock. Yeah, that's. I mean, I I get that, but you definitely time management is a really really big part of being oh, entrepreneur. Yeah. So you are definitely right about that. Oh, yeah. So that concludes our interview for today. I mean, clearly I could talk to you way longer, but I, you know, want to be respectful of your time. So what's the best way for folks to connect with you after this episode? Um, my personal website is SheenaAllen.co.co. Uh, my Instagram and my Twitter are both at who is Sheena. That's S-H-E-E-N-A. Uh, Facebook is backslash Sheena D. Allen. And then I'm also Sheena Allen on LinkedIn. Thank you for the whole rundown. All right, (laughs) Sheena. Thank you so much for joining us in the guest chair. Thank you. And there you have it. Hey guys, thanks for listening to Side Hustle Pro. If you want to hear more from me, head on over to sidehustlepro.co forward slash side hustle corner to get my weekly side hustle diaries chronicles about my own journey from passion project to profitable business. And if you want to find me online, I'm at side hustle pro on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Don't forget to join the Side Hustle Pro Facebook community. Go to sidehustlepro.co forward slash mastermind. And as always, if you love the show, do me a favor and subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes. Thanks, guys. Talk to you next week.